one political party so dominates the elections, so dominates the, the, the landscape of politics, they don't need to represent people that don't vote for them. They don't need to represent anybody but a small group of voters in their primaries. Welcome in, kids. Alabama mm-hmm. politics this week. Josh Moon and David Person. Oh, another good show. Another good show. We've uh, we've already recorded our uh, our interview, so we know it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, I would uh, one of these days. I'm going to come on here and say yeah, it's a mediocre show. <laughs> you know, we've we've already recorded the interview, and the guy was pretty shitty. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, not in this case, though. Not, yeah, not, not in this not case. Not in this. That's right. We got Doug Jones in for the for the yeah. guest this week, and man, he uh, he really he really laid out some some good mm. stuff. Uh, he, he really did uh, talking about Tommy Tuberville and talking about the the state of our state and um, and the way people vote. And mm. uh, it was it was a very very good conversation, and um, it really makes you miss Doug Jones, uh, the oh, level headed yeah. uh, way he goes about things. It's not you know a partisan. Uh, it's not. It's not a partisan attack on people. It's not rhetoric. It's not. You know. It's. It's thoughtful, considerate conversation. And um, and so it's all, always happy to have him on, especially in this case. And uh, but yeah. So we're talking about uh, Tommy Tuberville, um, and so in, in case anybody missed it, um, no. I don't know how you could. Uh, living in this state and being engaged in politics to the point that you're listening to this podcast. But mm-hmm. in case you did, uh, Tommy Tuberville at a rally, Trump rally, uh, don't leave that out, Trump rally in Nevada, uh, went on a nice little rant about how Democrats love crime. They want crime. Uh, they, they need crime or some, you know, something along those lines. But uh, the, the key portion of this, the one that uh, the, the sentence or two that got him in trouble was... Um, uh, they they're coming after what you got. They want reparation for those who do the crime. Mm-hmm. And you know there have been some attempts by morons locally uh, in the state uh, to defend this in some way by saying he used the word reparation instead of reparations. But um, reparation uh, also means you know making some sort of compensation to persons who were wronged. Uh, So I would, I would be interested to understand exactly what group of people that Mm -hmm. Democrats have proposed providing reparation to that were not black people. Okay. Uh, So your argument is stupid (laughs) and really nonsensical. And so, uh, and that's what he was saying. He was saying essentially that uh, we, we want reparation for the people who commit the crime, i.e. black people. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. It was a, uh, it was a clearly racist, overtly racist mm-hmm. comment. Uh, there is no denying this. Um, you know, people have try- attempted to go back and say, well, look, Tommy Tuffle's football coach. I mean, his whole life, major college football coach. He's sat in the living room of, of, of thousands of black athletes and, Talk to all of these black families, and you know he's got black friends. Um, you know, uh, which, and, uh, which which to me, Josh, is akin uh-huh. to the argument 
well, you know, master treated his slaves well. <laughs> you know, they were happy yeah. donkeys on the plantation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Really? Wait a minute. Is that wrong? Because that's what we learned in school. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, oh. you know, this 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 idea of the benevolent coach is equivalent to the benevolent slaveholder in a sense, uh, yeah. in that you know uh, the the underlying idea is that well he couldn't possibly be a racist yeah. Yeah. if he's yeah. sitting around black people he drink out of the same dunk. water fountain as those guys. Come on, yeah. You know, that's just I mean, ridiculous. It's this is what. I'll be honest. I'll tell you what I think. All right. I think that Tommy Tuberville is a person uh, completely lacking of values and ideals Mm -hmm. uh, that is only holds self-interest. That is his whole purpose for having this job. He has no care whatsoever for the people of the state. He has no care for the job itself of being a U.S. senator. The only interest that he has in this job is that it is a job that will pay him and allow him to make stock trades that will increase his wealth uh, and and the generational wealth that he can pass along to his kids and, and to their kids and whatever. And that is his only interest in this whatsoever. He's never cared any, any other, uh, any other iota about anything or anybody outside of that. And I believe that the comments that he makes, it, he could have just as well been talking about the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars uh, if that would have riled up the crowd uh, down there. Because I think that that's all that he cares about is because he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to make he wanted to say something uh, inflammatory and he did it. Uh, and I think I, I think he does not care that it's that it was racist. He does not care that it was offensive to people. He does not care about the people that he hurt. And make no mistake about it, he hurt a lot of people with what he said. All right, this is real. This is mm-hmm. real shit that mm-hmm. that, that happens here. Mm-hmm. And whether he's smart enough to understand it or not, that was racist. It was hurtful, and he will pay a price for a long time for the comments that he's made and for the lack of comment or apology in the days immediately afterwards. He will pay a huge price for that. And and I also make no mistake, nothing of what I just said is giving him a pass for this just because he's an idiot and that he's uninterested in in being anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I think his silence is really telling, too. Um, it's very telling. I mean, he not a peep out of him since this, this almost been a week, but Mm -hmm. let's start here because I think what we've got, what we're seeing evidence of is a Republican party that continues to play out of a, a handbook that, uh, I think many of us were hoping had been repudiated and abandoned. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, Trump has this rally in Minton, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Why that place of all places? Well, I'm going to tell you something about Minton, Nevada. And and both you and I both wrote, I think, pretty searing columns about this whole Tuberville thing. But but one thing I forgot to mention, and I don't think I saw in your column, but I saw found somewhere else was that Minton, Nevada is a notor was notorious for being a sundown town. Oh yes, so yeah, I did see that, that as means, well. Yeah, yeah. So, so that means for those of you who don't know, think about Coleman and Arab. You know, forty years ago, thirty years ago, whatever it was, 
when when there were signs up that literally said, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, blacks, you know, don't let the sun go down on you in this city, you know, mm-hmm. or this town. Uh, so black people and other people of color had to be out of these towns uh, by sundown or risk uh, physical retribution, maybe death. All right. right. So that's the kind of place is this little place, this little Minton, Nevada. I think their population is only like 3000 people mm-hmm. and they had more people show up for this rally than than they actually have residents there. Right. So, you know, it, it, it reminds me of what Ronald Reagan did when Ronald Reagan staged his his uh, his presidential coming out um, uh, or presidential announcement. Uh, back in 1980, he staged it in, uh, I can't remember the name of the Mississippi town, but it's the same town where the uh, the three civil rights workers, uh, Sweeney, Turner, and Goodman, were killed. Right. So mm-hmm. there's, there's this subtext of violence against black people that that I find in common in both of these scenarios. And and then and then of course you get Tuberville up there, you know, with that context as the backdrop, talking mm-hmm. about uh the ones who commit the crimes wanting reparations. Well, you know, again, this is a this is a real distortion of the truth. In fact, it's just a flat out lie because um Oh, and thanks. Our, our esteemed producer reminds me that the uh, the place that uh, Ronald Reagan did his uh, president launched his presidential campaign was Neshoba County, Neshoba County, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so on top of it, so on top of this, you have Tuberville out here in Nevada, you know, in a former sundown town, talking about black people or alluding to the fact that black people are the ones who commit the crimes. When the FBI's own crime statistics overwhelmingly show that more than twice as many white people commit crimes in this country as black people, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, yeah, yeah, and, well, and, and let's also not just the entire context of the speech itself, of the, of, or of that portion of it uh, mm-hmm. uh, about the all this crime is raging out of control. No, it's not. It's not. It fell. It fell in 2021, right. which is the last year in which we have crime data. It, no, it's That's what right. are you talking about? We were we're more safe today than we were in the golden age of 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing was just foolishness, just baloney from start to finish, at least that section of the speech, the one that we that we've uh, you know, that has the incendiary remarks in it. Uh, but 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 now let's go to your point, you know, about um, his um, his tenure and his ability to be a good senator. He has shown us nothing. Mm-hmm. He's really shown us nothing, nothing, nothing uh, substantial, um, you know, and 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 uh, and yet, you know, he goes literally a 33-hour car drive away from Alabama to give mm-hmm. a speech at a Trump rally where he says things that really are an affront to, should be an affront to all Alabamians, but especially 
to those who look like me. And he's supposed to be representing me, even though I didn't vote for him, he's still supposed to be representing me and people that look like me, even though most of us who voted didn't vote for him. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's astounding to me that we're in this situation, man. Uh, but, you know, that's why we got to call him out. And that's why, you know, as, as I said to Doug, um, uh, you know, when we interviewed him, you know, I, I applaud Doug for calling him out. We got to call out this guy, man. Yeah, uh, we do. And that matters. Um, I, but, you know, I tell you what matters more. It, well, I don't know if it matters more, but it matters at least as much. Um, is that we, we've got to get to, you know, I had a, I, I had a conversation. I don't even call it a conversation. I had a back and forth really, which I don't do, uh, really anymore on, on social media, but because it's just a waste of time. Uh, at, but in this particular case, I did answer, uh, someone, uh, Dick Brubaker, who said on, on Twitter for all the world to see, uh, that the only people he has heard uh, in the state of Alabama complaining about Tommy Tuberville are, are the people at AL.com and Josh Moon. Oh, and, he called you out. Yeah, and, and I said, putting aside the fact that that's just inaccurate, that there are thousands upon thousands of people in this state that have called out Tommy Tuberville. You know, maybe they didn't go and call Dick Brubaker up and let him know that, hey, we're calling out Tommy. Yeah, I just want to let you know. Uh, you know, so he didn't see it in his social media. Uh, I think Doug refers to him as silos, but in, in, in whatever bubble that they're in, and uh, in, in their social media, you know, Brubaker didn't see it. But they have. But more importantly, why the hell aren't you? That's yeah. why I said, you know, so you're okay yeah. with this, Dick? This is this is fine with you. What he said, you you don't have any problems with it. You're not you're not calling him out. You're not saying anything about this about this U.S. senator from our state going to Nevada and being on you know national TV uh, after he said it. It was all national TV everywhere. Obviously, yeah. this is the image that you're okay with from your chosen political party. This is okay with what the message. This is the message you want to send out. And, you know, and these people are like, well, it's not the words I would have used. Well, why the fuck wouldn't it be the words you wouldn't use? Mm-hmm. You know, why? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you use those words? Say That's it. Right. Say why you wouldn't use the words. That's right. You know, because they're racist as shit, you know, yeah. and they're yeah. hurtful. And yeah. it's just, it just, man, it's, it's such, you, you're cowards is what it is. You did are, you, you are cowards. Do you ask Brubaker this and what did he say? I, he's, uh, I'm he, asking because he he's just, been a guest he, on our show before. What did he say? Yeah. He, he, he just, he bailed out of the conversation. That's it. Well, he's being a punk. Yeah. I he's mean, being, it was, and that's out. what I'm saying. It's a coward. It's a coward. Yeah, yeah. All of it is cowardly. Every yeah. single bit of it is cowardly. You know, it's wrong. Yeah. You know what he did was wrong. And, and there's no, what, what is the downside to saying, Whoa, that's just racist. What is? Mm. What are you doing, dude? You know, I mean, Democrats do this all the time. With we just we just forced people in L.A. to to resign from the city council after recordings come out. I mean, in a matter of hours, yep. Democrats all over the country were like, "Whoa, no, uh, uh-uh, gotta go, gotta mm-hmm. get out, out of mm-hmm. here, out of here." Those were Democrats mm-hmm. on that council, mm-hmm. and. How, why is it so hard? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's so hard other than you know that without those racists voting for you, 
you don't stand a chance. Yep. And I wonder how that makes you, how do you sleep at night knowing that's what you got to rely on to win elections or a bunch of racists Mm -hmm. out there and furthering this idiotic belief and these ignorant ideas? How how does that make you feel? I just don't. It ought to make them feel grimy. It ought to make them feel slimy. It ought to make them feel ashamed. Yeah. It ought to make them feel like, you know, and this is why, by the way, I admire, um, and I'm giving props again. I think I've given him props before on the podcast. Bart Starr Jr. Mm. Yeah. If you read his piece in AL.com, it's just a, a really, really good piece from a from a, a person who has not abandoned the Republican Party, but continues to challenge the Republican Party to do better, to live up to the the uh the the party's history with people like Abraham Lincoln and Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass and others you know he's challenging them to live up to that and and I applaud him for doing it because it's got to it's got to feel like spitting in the wind most of the time for him yeah you know yeah it's got to be pretty lonely yeah. i mean yeah. um and you know i and i i said this uh, the other day, and I, I don't know if I wrote it in a column, if I said it on Twitter or uh, Facebook or whatever. You know, it's you can be a Republican and hold a lot of Republican ideas, uh, you know, conservative ideas, and not be an ignorant racist, exactly. not be hateful and hurtful to people. You know, mm-hmm. those two things, uh, are, they, they don't automatically go together, okay? It's only of late that this has been been the case where, you know, these people have started doing this, uh, you know, not really of late, but, you know, not to, after 1965. So, you know, well, um, you think, know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Post Strom Thurmond anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just but it's grown. It's grown yeah. over time and it's grown yeah. and it really, you know, hit a fever pitch after uh, after the election of Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with that whole candidacy and it, you know, no, mis- let's, let's be honest, it came on the heels of, of Barack Obama, mm-hmm. um, and the, no, through no fault of Barack Obama, you mm-hmm. know, he was, he was vilified, uh, by Mitch McConnell and a lot of other Republicans, uh, and they relied upon playing on the color of his skin because they certainly could not do it on his policies and on his uh, the way he connected with people and his compassion for others and being a decent human being, a good role model, a good father, a good husband. Right. Uh, all of those things were off the table. And so they had to rely on the subtle racism to attack him over and over and over again with Obama phones and the welfare and, the you know, and oh, handing out this to, to the these people. And oh, he's going to, oh, listen, he's, he's backing the black professor over the cop. And, uh, you know, all of these things, mm-hmm. all of these things they used and they they continued to amp it up and to amp it up and to amp it up. And they called out. They used every dog whistle available to them. And the racists come running. Uh, yep. And, you know, when we elected Donald Trump and it just got worse. It just got worse. You attacked every minority group out there uh, over the course of those four years. And people applauded it and acted as though it was somehow uh, American. Uh, to mm-hmm. more American to do this, to attack people than it is to welcome people, which <laughs> call me crazy, but we put a big ass sign out in front of the place that said we're welcoming everybody, right. uh, you know, right. but here we are, you know, here we are with this shit again. And all of a sudden they can't call out blatant racism for, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I mean, it just, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. How how the two things have become so conflated, racism and conservatism. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a decades long process and it definitely has culminated with Trump. But 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 I think as you're pointing out, it, it clearly doesn't have to be that way. And mm-hmm. and I will say and I don't often give him credit for a whole lot. But George W. Bush, I think, and, and even his father, even his father. I think also tried to try to take a different tack on that when it came to the Republican Party. They tried to uh, present a kind of a more moderate conservatism in many ways when it came to race. Now they weren't always, you know, perfect in their execution of that, but I think that they, uh, at least there were there were times when. Um, you know, I think it was pretty evident that they were trying to do that. And, um, and of course they didn't succeed and, and they probably didn't succeed for a lot of understandable reasons. I mean, you had Rush Limbaugh on the radio fanning the flames, you, mm-hmm. you know, which, which led to, uh, you know, set up the, you know, what ultimately became Fox news and what they started doing very overtly. And so, you know, it, 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 it it probably was never going to really be successful because again this is such a deep seated deep rooted thing in our country uh, i heard somebody say and i agree with them that instead of saying something is is as american as apple pie we probably ought to just start saying it's it's as american as racism because the truth of the matter is uh you know uh the kinds of heinous things that were done to black people, to indigenous people, going back several hundred years, uh, have never been fully shown in the light of day. They've never Mm -hmm. really been explicitly explored in history the way they should have been so that people could understand the depth of the evil. If they understood the depth of the evil, if they understood... You know, um, and there've been efforts made to do so, but it's ne- but nothing formalized, right? So, yeah. if they really understood that it was routine for, uh, especially in southern states, but not exclusively southern states, for black people, in particular, black, and when I say people, I don't just mean men; I mean women and children also to be lynched. And that sometimes those lynchings would involve things like mutilating the bodies and yeah. keeping the body parts. Yeah. You know, if they understood them. that. Selling them as trinkets. Yeah, that's right. Selling them as, as trinkets. If they understood how how the black body post-lynching was fetishized in that way, if mm-hmm. they understood how it was mutilated. You know, if they understood that that people would 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 uh, would have picnics around mm-hmm. these lynchings, so lynchings were like entertainment. Like instead of going to a horror movie, yeah, they went to a lynching. You know, it was the mm-hmm. equivalent of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just it's 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 really uh, profoundly disturbing. And and you realize, Josh, there are a lot of people today alive. I imagine people in their seventies, eighties. 90s, who remember some of that stuff, yeah. who were present yeah. for some of that stuff, because we're talking about in the 1930s, 40s, even 50s, you know, perhaps, 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, where this was really still a, a, a real part of American society, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's a listen, if you ever if you ever want to demonstrate to somebody um, exactly what you're talking about here, just say, look, you know, don't take my word for it. Have you heard of the Boston Massacre? You know, and, and inevitably, yeah, they have. They've heard of this, all right? all right? Now, go look up the details of that. Then go look up the Tulsa Massacre, mm. okay? Tell me which one you find to be more egregious. Or hell, look up what happened in, in Philly with, uh, with basically the firebombing of a housing project uh, that happened, I believe, move? in the 80s. You're talking yeah. about move? Uh, the yeah you know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the on the details but you remember the it was the uh, the the police were yeah when it was going they were going to stop this uh, riot that was supposedly break going to break yeah. out among yeah, the that was you know the, uh, essentially they firebombed a, an entire housing project and killed a bunch of people yeah and I think you're talking about the move uh, the move I think that may be right community yeah. um, and that was in and actually that was in the 19. Was that the 1980s or 1970s or 80s? And ironically, the mayor at the time was black. Mm-hmm. A black mayor. Yeah. yeah. I was saying, if you look at those things, you begin to understand how we have treated through our education system racial issues and how mm-hmm. we have uh, routinely downplayed the... The egregious acts of, that have been perpetrated on black communities and black people, uh, while we have upplayed uh, the effects of relatively minor things that have happened to white people in white communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it kind of goes back to, to your the podcast that, you know, you, you cheated on me with uh, in which uh, <laughs> you did the. <laughs> Uh, you know, which it which it showed, um, you know, the 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 effects of, of the media on on missing persons cases and, yeah. you know, of how we treat black missing teens versus white missing teens. And right. it just uh, there's this whole uh, whole history of of these problems and these issues and the way we've gone about it. It's just, you know, uh, it. it it plays into all of this, okay? And uh, and what what Tuberville has done is utterly shameful uh, in in this day and age. There's no denying that. And the people who have been silent on it, who have condoned it, who have tried to explain it away, are just as horrible. All right, because yep. there's no reason for you in this day and time with all of the people that we know and and the way that our society is and how we deal with each other on a daily basis and we interact and you should know better that we all feel basically the same and have the same wants and needs and how you could condone that at this point in time is simply it's disgusting it really yep. is disgusting to me now hey but, let me let me ask you one question um sure. What do you, okay, so Tupperville has been silent, like I said earlier, now for going almost seven days. You know, we're about day five or six, and he's been silent on this. What do you, what do you think is going on? Why, why has he not said a word, and, and what do you think is going on uh, in his camp? I think that they have, <laughs> if I had to guess, 
I would guess that they have discussed how to handle this and they have discussed several options for it. And none of those options are particularly good options. Mm. Uh, you know, none, none of them are, you know, there's no, there's no way. I'm sure they've probably discussed with Fox News or OAN or Newsmax or one of, one of those other uh, crazy ass right wing uh, outlets. Uh, some sort of a softball interview in which, you know, he's asked to explain it. And the problem is, is there's no explaining it. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, I meant this and not that. There's nothing, there's nothing you can explain here uh, that doesn't arrive right back at, this was really racist, what you said. Uh, you know, this was, you were intended to talk about black people. There's no way to explain, though they want reparation for those who do the crime. What the hell? You, some no matter where you go, somebody's got to say, "Well, what did you mean?" And there's got to be an explanation, and there's just not one. And so I think ultimately they've just decided, "Hey, let's let's just hang out until maybe something other, some other big story comes along and people forget about us." Hmm. Well, he's got to make outside of the Senate chambers, Josh. He's got to make a public appearance somewhere. I mean, I would assume, you know, I don't I don't know when the next Washington update is going to be here in North Alabama with the Huntsville Chamber of Commerce sponsoring it. But I would imagine that, you know, Senator Shelby just did one. uh, Mm -hmm. I think it was last month. Uh, So I would imagine that Tuberville has got to be doing one somewhere pretty soon, if not up here somewhere. And Mm -hmm. I just wonder what the reception is going to be. I wonder how people are going to treat him. And I wonder if anybody's going to hold him accountable with a question or two about what he said. Um, I think that there will be an attempt, but I think that there will also be an attempt to, uh, if there's not a scheduling conflict on that particular day with Tommy mm. uh, you know, that mm. pops up at the last minute. Uh, I right. think that there, there will be attempts, and I, but I think that there will also be attempts by the people uh, who run his campaigns and run his office uh, to shield him from any sort of uh, direct questioning from media or from people who may be hostile to his point of view. Uh, and so I would guess that would be the way that they're going to try to handle it and maybe, maybe have him come up, give a speech and take no questions and then get the hell out of there. Uh, and I guarantee you, if he does that, there will be there will be a bunch of people who defend. Well, I understand you just get in there and just take questions from anybody and just turn it into a, to, you know, just an absolute shit show, you know, and there will be people who defend that, uh, you know, and say it's a good political move or whatever. And it'll be nonsense because he's not answering to the people who he represents. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I would be, I tell you the other thing I'd be interested in, you know, this, uh, and we're going to talk about it later, but it, it, you know, this is HBCU month in the state of Alabama. Uh, yeah. He has, to his credit, and we've given him credit, mm-hmm. has done some work for HBCUs, been very receptive uh, to the presidents uh, of uh, Alabama HBCUs and done uh, worked on legislation with them to help with funding and things. So uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see. I know there had to be events scheduled uh, for that uh, with him and his office and these presidents. I'd be interested to see how, how that goes or what they say to him uh, and, and if there are any meetings that are held. And, uh, you know, we, we know some of these some of these guys matter of fact we've had one on on our show fairly recently in Quentin Ross at ASU uh and I know Quentin wouldn't 
you know, Quinn's not pulling punches on people uh, at this time in his life. You know, he's been in this field. He's not, he's been a, a senator for the state of Alabama, uh, and you know, so he's he knows how this game is played and how it works and and how it shouldn't work. And so I I would be interested to know and and what what those meetings might be like. Yeah, yeah, and um, since you brought that up, and I know we'll get into it uh, more detail here in a little while, but um, hmm, I wonder, uh, I wonder if the HBCU president. Well, you know what? I know they're not going to uh, HBCU presidents in this state, and I think there are fourteen HBCUs in this state. They're not going to even issue a joint statement about this. They're going to just. Um, they're just going to, I think they're just going to let it, you know, they're going to act as though it wasn't said. And I think that's a mistake. I think this is a great opportunity for the HBCU presidents to band together as one collective and to hold Senator Tupperville accountable, which they can do respectfully. I'm not saying call him names or, you know, or anything like that, but but I think they should use it as a teaching moment for the state, for mm-hmm. the state. And uh, but I but I don't expect them to do that, though. No, you know, it does. And, you know, I've written some stories about how, you know, historically, uh, you know, the presidents at, at, uh, at black colleges in this state, you know, were, were kind of caught between rocks and hard places uh, back during the civil rights movement, you know, particularly at ASU. Um, and, you know, and how they they had to navigate a pretty tricky minefield of, uh, you know, continuing state funding and, and making sure things didn't get cut that they really needed to serve their students because their students are not going to get it anywhere else. And and also, you know, trying to be outspoken on behalf of their employees and, and the people of their communities, which they you know, they know and consider families. And, that, you know, I think that that's tough in a lot of ways. I agree with you, though. I think that this could be done uh, if they banded together and said these, you know, said, listen, this is not OK. What was said, this is hurtful. And, and I think you're right. It could be a teaching thing. It could. What it could do is shine a light on the hurt, that real hurt mm-hmm. that has been done here. And 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 it not just be a critical time, but a time to educate not just the public, but Tommy Tuberville exactly. on on, on what he's done and how those words really, really affect people while he may think of it as just ignorantly as a, uh, a political statement or, you know, you know, something that was said at a rally that really doesn't matter or whatever, however he views it in his head. Um, these things do affect people and, and it causes hurt. It brings up a lot of bad memories and, um, and it causes people to rethink the relationships that they have with him. And yep. and his and how genuine he is in actually caring about them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It would be nice, you know, man. It would be nice to hear from Tommy Tuberville and to hear a, a thing that says, you know, what I said something really stupid mm-hmm. um, and really hurtful to a lot of people, and I I really apologize for that, and and I hope that I can rebuild the relationships that I've harmed by by my ignorant comments. You know, and and, and Josh, to go back to what you've said previously. He could do that and still retain his conservative bona fides. He could still say exactly what you said and say, while I may not agree with people on reparations, I do understand that mm-hmm. uh, that most black people are not committing crimes, mm-hmm. you know, and that what I said perpetuated a stereotype and uh, and 
and that uh, you know he could he could make it clear that he doesn't embrace the stereotype even even if he doesn't agree with reparations as a solution to addressing the issues the historic issues the black people have in this country he could, he could yeah. do that he could absolutely that. could yeah absolutely he could but you know here we are here we are all right let's uh, I'll tell you what let's slide out and we'll uh, we'll get Doug Jones in here and uh, yeah. and talk to him about uh, about Tuberville and about the state of our state and and a lot of other things that are that are plaguing all of us it's a, it is a, it's not just a Tuberville conversation it's a it's a kind of well-rounded uh, conversation uh, with Doug Jones the guy that we could have had instead uh, you know, that mm-hmm. for some reason God only knows we we don't. Mm. So, all right. uh, Back in a minute, Alabama Politics This Week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week. And we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast. And I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends and also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And uh, as always, we are uh, we're happy to have uh, Alabama's uh, best senator, uh, <laughs> Doug Jones, with us. Uh, and, you know, like I've said before, it's, it's, as far as we're concerned, it's the forever senator because we're just going to pretend that the other guys aren't, uh, especially one particular guy that, uh, you know... I've watched your stuff uh, that you've had after the Tommy Tuberville comments. And I think, you know, we, we've covered those uh, and, and everybody knows at this point what they are. And so uh, it, does it, uh, the one thing I always wonder about this, whenever Tuberville does or says something, it always goes through my mind. We could have had Doug Jones, you know, we could have, <laughs> we could have, we could have just had, we could just kept Doug Jones. Everything would have been fine. Um, does that go through your mind as well? Oh, gosh, that's really kind of an unfair question, Josh. Um, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, here's the thing. And, and of course, it goes through my mind. But, you know, let, let's think about it. You, Alabama could have also had uh, someone who had been attorney general or a three term United States senator. They could have also mm-hmm. had a member of Congress that had served pretty well down in Mobile. And instead, in a Republican primary, you got this crazy base that often comes out. And they put a guy in there that doesn't even know what the Voting Rights Act is of three um, branches of government. So this shouldn't be that much of a surprise to people, I guess, to to be as overtly racist as it was and uh, and overtly ignorant as it was, I think, was pretty stunning. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, buyer's remorse doesn't get you very much these days. So we just go on. Yeah, that's it. I get you know you you serve the the state and so you 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 traveled the state I know you traveled to, to all corners of the state. Um, I, I think what's often lost in something like this is is the real impact that that listening to a guy who's supposed to be representing you uh, at the highest levels of government 
who, who says something like that, whether he means it or it's for to gin up an audience or whatever it is, you know, to just rile some people up, whatever it is. I mean, it, these things actually hurt people, though. Um, they do. Hurt, they do yeah. hurt people a lot. Um, and, and, and I to say that he uh, uh, represents people, I think, is. Stretch these days, because when you have a, a, a situation where a one political party so dominates the elections, so dominates the, the, the landscape of politics, they don't need to represent people that don't vote for them. They don't need to represent anybody but a small group of voters in their primaries. Look what's going on over in Mississippi, Josh, where you got the poorest state in the, in the, in the country, where the population is about 38 or 39 percent black. And Republican politics have dominated over there for a couple of decades now. And what you're seeing is a $70 million slush fund that was supposed to go to poor and low-income people that is being used by the likes of Brett Favre, two pro wrestlers, the governor's um, personal trainer. Um, It's just stunning, the the arrogance and the ability. So the point is, I guess I'm making, is that when you get in such a gerrymandered world that we live in in states like Alabama and Mississippi, these folks do not believe that they have to represent anybody but those who are voting for them and contributing to their campaigns. And that is a really sad state of affairs, and it's a really unfortunate one. And Alabama and Mississippi are being held back by it. Yeah, there's no question that our state is being held back by the, um, <clears throat> pardon me, by the tenure of Tuberville. But what I'd like to know is, you, you used an interesting phrase, Doug. You said buyer's remorse. Um, I don't get the sense that most Alabamians feel the way you feel or I feel or that Josh feels. You know, I I get the sense that most are uh, ambivalent about what he said or they are um, or they actually agree with what he said. Yeah. You know, look, David, I I think that there is some truth to that. I'm going to give. Uh, folks a little bit more credit in the sense that I think there is a significant number of people in Alabama that probably do agree with that uh, because they've just never really grown up and realized the potential of a state that can uh, grow and progress with, with by glorifying its diversity as opposed to trying to keep people down. There are obviously a pretty strong percentage of folks roughly 40% of people that would adamantly not only disagree with him, but just, I mean, um, just completely embarrassed. And I I think that there's this group in the middle in Alabama, they've become more enablers, that they don't speak out, that they're concerned about it, that they are uh, embarrassed about it, but yet they're not presented with a whole lot of choices sometime if they want to have an effect. And they just don't talk. They just don't speak up. And I really think that that's a problem, too. Uh, I think enablers are as bad for this country and this state uh, as those who agree with uh, uh, comments like Tuberville because they empower them to just to make these asinine statements and to go forward. And so we've got to get in a situation where people start calling this stuff out. And it's and it can't be just people like us can be people like me, especially having lost to the guy. But it needs to be it needs to be where I think that we can really have some impact is the business community. Uh, Most of the business leaders I know are, I guarantee you, are absolutely appalled by those comments and are worried that it's going to help them. But they're too damn afraid to speak up. 
And you remember, guys, back in the 1960s, it was business leaders in Birmingham that spoke up after the fire hoses and the dogs and Bull Connor, and they made changes. They made changes that allowed Birmingham to prosper and thrive. And our business community has got to step up and, and has said, we supported you and we're not going to tolerate this crap. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I, I think, um, I think that is a very, I think it's a very good point, but I, but I also think it, it points to or alludes to something that is, a, I find a little bit disturbing as an African-American, and that is that we, it's difficult to find people, and, and, I, and present company accepted, because I mean, you, you came right out and you spoke out, I think, very directly, very strongly against what Tuberville said. But it seems to be difficult to find people who will do the right thing because it's the right thing, right. as opposed to doing the right thing because uh, not doing the right thing places us at an economic disadvantage. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all there. Uh, I found that not only in Alabama, but in the halls of Congress, uh, that folks just won't step out. Uh, they won't say the things that need to be said. And it is unfortunate. And, you know, and these leaders that are not doing that, they there's just about everybody in the state, in the legislature, the governor, the, the, the Senate, uh, 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 you know, Republican nominee, all of the statewide offices. They represent these folks, too. And, and all the business leaders have black employees that they're looking to them for leadership. And they need to step up and to do that, because I, I just. You know, we are coming into a point, guys, where our, fra our democracy is so fragile. And if we don't start standing up for each other, then what are we going to really stand for? It, that's the big thing for me, that we have got to stand up for all Americans, not just those folks who are going to agree with us uh, at the ballot box. we got to stand for everybody. And I, it, it's the old saying that a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's absolutely true. And I, I, I'm just... It's just frustrating. I mean, it is frustrating to live in a state that I love, that I enjoy, that I'm still living in, despite working in Washington, um, you know, at a law firm and doing some things and traveling around the country. I'm still making my home in Alabama, and I intend to. But it gets so dang frustrating to watch good people simply say nothing. And bad things happen when good people sit back and say nothing. That sounds like a... Uh... Uh, a reference to uh, something that Dr. King said. I appreciate that as well. One final question um, from me. Practically speaking, after all of, after all has been said and done, after after all of the commotion from many of us uh, who have spoken out about this, what effect is it really going to have on Tuberville as a senator and and on his legacy? Well, his legacy is a different story. Um, I think that the, that the things he's saying and doing are going to follow him forever. And, 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 and quite frankly, I don't expect him. I've never expected him to be a very effective senator uh, anyway, regardless. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's, it's not going to have a whole lot of effect on his political career because no one will stand up and speak out. We are so tribal in this state right now that if you excuse the conduct of a Donald Trump, that potentially is criminal. And I say potentially because there's a lot, a long way to go. But you don't have to, 
to, to show criminal conduct, to show morally bankrupt conduct that he conducted. Uh, and in Tuberville, in, in these comments, people are just going to sit back and they're going to they're going to put on their uniforms and they're going to go for their team. And we have got to be able to try to break through that somehow. The Democratic Party has struggled to do that. And unfortunately, our young people are so apathetic that they do not believe their vote counts. So they don't get out there and organize. They don't do those kind of things. We can make a difference in this state if we could get people constantly, 24-7, 12 months out of the year, challenging people, making these folks go to town halls and, and, and defend their actions, make them uh, go around the state and talk to people and not just stay in their silos and go to the Republican clubs around the country. But let's hit some of these churches. Let's hit some other things where people can challenge them and let them explain themselves. But more importantly, David, let them learn. Let them understand. Let them look somebody in the eye and feel the pain of the comments that they made. They don't do that. And they need to get out of their shell and they need to get those uh, in there and do that and sit down at those kitchen tables. Tuberville could do that. He, he, he was a salesman when he tried to recruit black candidates. I mean, you know, to, to, to play at Auburn or to right. Ole Miss or wherever. Right. You know, he needs to sit down and look some people in the eye and understand the pain that he has just caused. Yeah, you know, he's uh, I'll say he's been effective for his uh, uh, his investment portfolio. He's been very yeah. effective in that manner, uh, yeah. which, you know, I, I don't know of anything else he's been effective at. But, you know, and Josh, I, 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 I read the I read the comment of the Republican chairman, mm-hmm. you know, about how Tuberville has helped people all his life and whatever. Baloney. Yeah. That's just, that's not true. You can yeah. you can put whatever. Let me tell you something, guys. You can put whatever prejudice you got aside if you're making millions of dollars to do it. OK. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. And yeah. so this whole thing, and by, by the way, coming from a coming from a chairman of the Republican Party who flouts the, the Alabama voter ID laws didn't have a lot of credibility anyway. But that's a different yeah. story. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's. You're right, though, in that uh, you wonder where this all ends with the party of personal responsibility, uh, because you, you look at this situation with Tuberville that nobody's going to speak out on. And you look at the situation with Herschel Walker in Georgia uh, and the abortions uh, that were that took place there, despite the fact he's pushing for a national ban. Uh, I mean, and, and there are I mean, you can just start ticking them off. There, they've got to be a dozen or so just currently uh, issues that they're just flat ignoring because it doesn't really fit with the messaging uh, that they have out there and and not least of which was the guy that served in the white house for four years uh that we all know is a criminal we all know that he took those documents we know he took them i mean my god we know what's going on there come on uh and so yeah and god only knows what he did with them uh, and who he sold them to and so but aren't isn't this fire? Aren't they? Don't they have their hand in a fire at this point? And, and you can see the burns coming, can't you? I, I hope so, Josh. I mean, I, I mean, you know, look, this is not the party. Uh, you know, they, they, this is all now about political power. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about maintaining power and control. It really doesn't have anything to do with people. Doesn't have anything to do with poor people, low income people, black people, Hispanic. You name it. It has everything to do with pure political power. The most I, I don't know if y'all saw the video of Herschel Walker the other day, given the parable of the cows and the bulls. <laughs> yeah. It was oh, the most yeah. bizarre thing. And yeah. the only thing funnier was watching was watching Tom Cotton and Rick Scott, the senator from Arkansas <laughs> and the senator from Florida, trying to maintain their composure and trying to figure out this. Oh, I get this. I get this. Yeah. When they're like 
they're simply saying, holy shit, what is going on here? I yeah. mean, that's just the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, you're, you're 100% right about that. But, you know, and, and we had discussed this before we came on, and I think it fits in uh, into what we're kind of discussing here is, you know, these things, these things matter to people. All right? You know, what, what you say matters to people. What you do matters to people. Being an effective leader at this point, I don't know when when our rank-and-file citizenry is, is going to understand the importance that these people play in their lives. Uh, for example, what we were talking about was Cam Ward saying that, you know, the marijuana laws are, uh, changes, uh, you know, decriminalizing low-level marijuana offenses uh, are, is only going to free up 98 people or whatever it is. So, you know, it's still right. 98 people that shouldn't be yeah. in prison, uh, you know? No, it's a, it's, a, it's a great point. The president has done this for the federal, uh, at the federal level, and he's called on state governors to pardon people or the states to pardon them. And I was stunned when I saw Cam, who, you know, I think is, is, is really trying to get that prison system mm-hmm. organized because it's been a shambles. Um, but to say, well, it won't have any effect on us because it only releases 98 people. Well, yeah. that, just, that just demonstrates that you're not really caring about human beings. You're caring more about a system and the power that comes with it because it will make a hell of a lot of difference to those 98 people. Probably overwhelmingly number of those are black. That's probably mm-hmm. the case. But it's not just the pardons for those 98 people to let them out of jail. It's the folks that are still in, in a form of prison with shackles on them having to live with that conviction or hanging around their neck that have trouble getting jobs, that have trouble doing things and trying to be productive members of society. You've got to think about this in terms of individuals and how it affects people. And, and, and certainly you have to say, will it have a detrimental effect on society as a whole? This will not, not by any stretch, but it will mean a lot to a lot of people if Alabama could just get out of their damn silos and, and focus on individuals. Yeah, it's a, I'll get you out of here with, with this because I know, I know you, you you've got everywhere to be, man. As, as you said, you're like, you're living the Johnny Cash song at this point. <laughs> uh, but uh, hmm. there there are polls that that show that Alabama is one of the least politically engaged states in the country. Uh, that from our voter registration to what people know about the issues to you know how how active they are in discussing these things, uh, we're we're one of the worst at it. What? What could change that? Because to me, if you change that, if you get people to just pay attention to things that matter to them, then you change the entire outlook for things. Because I think if people understand what what is at stake here for them, then they'll become involved. But how do you reach those people? Well, Joshua, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Okay, And and I want to start with reaching people on matters that mean a lot to them. And that and, and, and I will with all due respect. One of the problems that I've had with the Democratic Party is for people constantly saying that voters in Alabama don't don't vote in their in best interest. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we make sacrifices sometimes and we and we're we're a state of faith and people have certain moral beliefs that are deep rooted in their faith. And sometimes those beliefs will 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 they will place the, that above you know, an economic interest. And we should, Mm -hmm. I don't think we should criticize people for that. But what we don't do is we don't go to them and talk about that and don't understand it and don't try to try to figure out where the common ground is. We got a serious civic education problem in Alabama and across the country where people are not understanding the real rules of 
uh, of, of the road and how we, we got to this point. I think we can do a much better job of that. And I'm going to be honest about this too, guys. And I know, uh, and I don't mean to offend you because I think you and the Alabama political reporter do a really good job, but our media in Alabama is so woefully inadequate of trying to, to give both sides of a story, to try to educate people, to do the investigative reporting that it's like uncovering the, the scandal in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Right now, with social media, people stay in their silos. And a lot of that is incorrect. And but people, it feeds into them. It's a multi-headed problem. There's no question. And I think, you know, I, I maintain all along it's harder to do, but we've got to engage people on a very local level. Civic engagement at a local level is critical. People need to go to their board of education meetings and their city council meetings, and they need to not to go there just when they have an issue that's in front of there. They need to go and listen to them and understand, challenge them when they need to, but also engage with folks. I think if we can do that, we can we can potentially make some changes. But we got to also do this. We got to call out the BS when there's BS out, and when when people are offending whole swaths of our citizenry. We've got to call that out and say, we are, we are, we're one Alabama, if that campaign sounds familiar. We are one Alabama. And right now, you've got an entire wing of the Republican Party that is trying to separate every state into 50 states, whether it's on abortion, whether it's on guns, you name it. At the Supreme Court, they don't want, Josh, they don't want this to be the United States of America. Right. They want it to be the Associated States of America. And that's the great danger, because we are not the associated states. We're the United States, and we've got to damn sure act like it a little bit. So we've got to get engaged more, and we've got to get our younger folks engaged and voting um, to, to make, even though their candidate may lose, they are making a difference when they vote. Listen, I don't know that anybody could say it any better. Um, and uh, we... Uh, I, it's it's so bittersweet when you come on because I see what we could have had and and I know what we got and but it's always a pleasure, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time yeah. and uh, it's uh, it, it, you're great as always and, and I uh, I hope you you travel around and have a lot of fun out there anyway. Well, look, it's always great to be with you guys. I appreciate your kind words. Well, let's just all work together. Let's let's play the hand we're dealt and go forward. That's what you guys are doing every day, and I appreciate it very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. That is, that is our forever Senator Doug Jones uh, joining us for a little bit this morning. Uh, and uh, listen, they, I don't know how we lost him, but, you know, we did. And so, uh, but we'll, we'll keep him around here as long as we can. We're going to slide out. We'll be back in just a minute to wrap this baby up. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Everybody, if you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. 
I told y'all, fantastic conversation with Doug Jones. Uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. this is listen. This is why you pay us the big dollar. Oh wait, yeah, I don't pay for anything. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah. This is why you get for free this great content. I don't know what any of y'all did to deserve this, but here you go. Uh, yeah, listen. Though, despite. Despite evidence to the contrary, there were other things that happened in this state over the last week uh, <laughs> that were not related to Tommy Tupperville. Uh, yeah. We had, well, we, I honestly got one one edition of uh, of APR this week was like all Tommy Tupperville. There are like twelve stories, and every single one of them were like Tommy <laughs> Tupperville related in some way. Um, yeah. That which some of it was my fault, but um, there were also. Uh, some other things that went down, uh, and one of which uh, you mentioned coming in, and we talked about it a little bit in the open, was uh, uh, Kay Ivey mm-hmm. uh, declaring this to be HBCU month in the state of Alabama. Yeah, and um, and I think, uh, uh, once again, and I, this is not the first time that she's done this, as I recall. I think it may have been the second or maybe even third time. I can't remember. But uh, I credit the governor for this because uh, there are 14 HBCUs in Alabama educating thousands of students. And what people may not realize is that HBCUs uh, have a tremendously uh, successful track record as it relates to placing uh, students in grad school and professional schools, uh, graduating uh, laying the foundation for doctors, attorneys, uh, teachers, preachers, scientists. Uh, they mm-hmm. have a great track record there. Uh, here in North Alabama, I'm very privileged to be affiliated with three HBCUs. My uh, my undergraduate alma mater, Oakwood University, my uh, uh, Alabama A&M University, where I did two semesters of graduate school, and then I'm on the uh, foundation board for Drake State uh, uh, Community and Technical College. And um, these are all fine institutions that, that do a great job of, of trying to educate and acculturate uh, mostly young African Americans, even though at all of these institutions, you've got, you got uh, young white people and Hispanic people mm-hmm. and, and people, Asians and people of other ethnic and racial backgrounds in attendance. And they do a fine yeah. job of providing all of them with, a, with, a, with an above average quality education. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, credit to the governor uh, for this and, um, and, and, um, you know, it's also smart politics because these institutions, uh, all of these institutions play a tremendous role in the economic engine of our state. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, they are paying literally hundreds of millions of dollars in salaries, uh, that of course, in turn, uh, you know, flow into Alabama's economy in, ver- in a variety of ways. Uh, these institutions often receive grants from outside entities, mm-hmm. you know, again, uh, probably hundreds of millions of dollars annually in grants that uh, also uh, flow into our economy. So it's only smart, really, to, if for, the, if for those reasons alone, Josh, to affirm these institutions for what they do for this state. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, uh, I'll be honest, uh, when I started um, at the Advertiser way mm-hmm. back in 2000, 
um, I, um, I, I, you know, I've got, come fresh out of college, you know, white kid from, from North Alabama. Um, you know, I was a, obviously a raging liberal still, but, uh, you know, I, I, but I, I had no, I had no real understanding of, of HBCUs, uh, their history, um, you know, I just never been exposed to this. It's not something that was exposed to me in the history classes I took in this state. Um, I, I learned very, very little about the civil rights movement as a whole, much less, uh, you know, the specific portions of it that were played, played out on, on campuses, you know, around the, the state and our historically black colleges. Um, but my first job well, the guy that the way I got this job was I was uh, I was working essentially part time covering high school nonsense and little girl softball games uh, while I was finishing up my college degree. And along the way, the person that was uh, covering Alabama State University sports uh, got himself terminated for some. Uh, I don't really remember what happened. Uh, I guess it was probably relatively minor. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, uh, that job became open. And uh, I remember the guy calling me and asking me if I'd like to have that job. And I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> I'll take any job, my man. Uh, so uh, and, and I walked in having zero idea about the people and the culture that I was about to cover. I'd never been to an HBCU game. Um, uh, you know, I, and, and so let me tell you, my first football game, uh, it was a trip, man. That was, uh, you know, uh, the battle of the bands and the whole uh-huh. thing. I just didn't, you know, I didn't have the concept. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And, you know, when I got up at halftime and I was the only one who got up at halftime to go to get something to eat, I was like, hey, what the hell y'all doing? You know, yeah. little did I know <laughs> that I was missing the real show, uh, yeah. you know, but I found out pretty quick. And, uh, you know, and it, I, I'll be honest. I I really came to to love and appreciate uh, the schools and what they stand for and the people that work so hard uh, because it's a, it's it's a different environment. It's a they they are taking on usually uh, a lot of a lot of kids who are the first in their families to go to college. Um, they're taking on uh, people that are come from a very depressed economic background and in uh, communities that, that don't have a lot of opportunities uh, typically. And yeah. And so it, there are and there they, they have to you know, they have to navigate such a, a difficult course in, in that in, in educating kids that come from those families because those kids have jobs. They have things that happen in their lives that are just so outside of the norm for, uh, you know, a white kid like me, you know, grew up in a middle class family in, in this state. You know, I, I didn't I went to college and all my hardship was, oh, you know, I, I couldn't you know, I, I didn't get to buy beer this week because, you know, <laughs> I misspent the money earlier in the week. You know what I mean? It's right. not. Right. You know, I didn't have to make the light bill at the house that my parents live in. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. uh, it was, you know, it's just a, it's a whole different world and what they do. I, you know, I really I, I really came to appreciate I loved, loved going to it really, it really ruined me for going to other football games um, it, because, <laughs> the, I mean, I've told people a thousand times. I have never been to a better environment. I would choose it over the Super Bowl. Uh, And that is the Magic City Classic in Birmingham. It is the most fun I have ever had at a games. I would go. I never go anywhere early. I would go early to those games uh, (laughs) because you just could hang out, man. And it was people who treated football like it should be treated, where 
we want to win this game, but man, the the tailgating, yeah. the shows, the the you know the back and forth, you know the good natured sort of you know your team sucks, ha ha ha. What happened to your coach? And you know, I mean, just All you right. know the the Deion Sanders, you know he ain't swack, I'm swack. You know that All that right. thing. You know, I mean, it just. Oh, it was it was so much fun, and it was it was such a good time, and and so, anyways, I I, I I'm with you. I, I really am glad she did it, and and I wish more people, uh, you know, a lot of people want to tear those those places down uh, because sometimes you know they'll they'll take a look at just the pure statistics on you know graduation rates or things like that, and, and they miss the overall picture of the communities that's being served relative to to these other institutions out there and and you know when you when you take those things into account the the rates of success are astronomical at HBCUs what what they provide uh to these communities and things and, yeah. and you you I mean ASU I know I'm I'm more closely affiliated with ASU and I wouldn't say affiliated but you know just mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm I know them better I know the people there yeah. better uh so I know what they do and I still get a ton of phone calls from people over there and mm-hmm. uh matter of fact I put a post up about the the whole uh I don't know if you saw this that whole debacle with Eddie Robinson Jr. and Deion Sanders uh, no I, I mean, your post, but I do know about the situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. I mean, listen, yeah, if if you're gonna be okay with Dion saying all these things during the week and building yeah. it up, you've also got to be okay with Eddie Robinson Jr. saying, "I don't want to hug you, man. Get off of me." <laughs> all right. I know. Listen, we're not. I mean, it's what he said. I, don't come at me with a bro hug. Shake my hand and get off the field, and that's fine. That's a fine <laughs> way to approach it. You know, now I wish he hadn't have said, "I'm swack, he ain't swack." You know what yeah. I mean? I, I, yeah, I think that, Dion's done a lot over the yeah. last couple of years for yeah, that swack was too far. and for. Yeah, and for, and for black college football, I think Dion's done a, done a ton, and I look forward to him being Auburn's head coach. And so, um, you know, uh, yeah, if we can, uh, I'm pushing hard, man, pushing yes. hard. I wish he would come. Uh, so well, he may, he may. We'll yeah. see. The, yeah. One thing I wanted to quickly add, though, you know, the the HBC universe is is really. Um, it's it's not monolithic. It's it's a complex universe. You've got. Um, you, you know, your description of it, I think, uh, is accurate, but I would say that it's not necessarily complete. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, you've got your HBCUs that are private institutions. You've got your public institutions. Sure. The ones that are private institutions, tuition is higher. And mm-hmm. I think what you generally find there, you know, whether you're talking about Oakwood University here in North Alabama or whether you're talking about Morehouse or Spelman in Atlanta, you know, you're talking about institutions where there's a lot of uh, middle class and upper class legacy that yeah. goes along with those institutions. Uh, and you also will find, um, and you'll find this probably at all of them, but I would, but I, but I know for sure I've seen it in high concentrations at Oakwood. Um, uh, is a lot of in, people from out of the country will mm-hmm. will come to these institutions. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, people yeah, from literally that. from uh, you know from South America to the African continent yeah. to even Europe, you'll find mm-hmm. people coming, and even Australia, New Zealand, you'll find people coming to these yeah. institutions. The other thing that I wanted to say, Josh, real quickly, is that. 
Um, I no reason to say it quick. Say it. Take as long as you want. Hell, we got all <laughs> kinds of time. Well, you know, uh, it's amazing to me the caliber, the broad range of talent that has come out of these institutions. If you talk about the entertainment business, I mean, you know, you got everybody from, you know, going way, way back, people like uh, uh, Roberta Flack, you know, Mm -hmm. to uh, Ruben Stutter, Take Six, Brian McKnight, um, you know, uh, some of the biggest names in gospel music like Richard Smallwood and others, you know, have come out of these institutions. Then you've also got, brilliant scientists, people like uh, Dr. Um, uh, gee, I'm about to mess up on her name, but Dr. Uh, Hadaya Nicole Green, I think I said her name right, uh, who has who has actually found a way to use laser technology to cure cancer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's Whoa. a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal story. And she's trying to She's going, uh, she's going about this in a very interesting way in that she's not trying to corporatize the solution. She wants this to be a solution that is more accessible to uh, the general public. So she's going about this sort of in an entrepreneurial uh, way, uh, independent way. But she's absolute, But according to everything I've ever read, Josh, mm-hmm. it works. She's on target. It's successful, and I think one day history is going to really give this young lady a lot of credit. So again, it's just it's HBCUs are tremendous. I I can't say enough about them. I just I, yeah, no, it's uh, you, know. you remind me of um, uh, of uh, Donald Watkins' uh, brother uh, Levi Watkins. Uh, you know, is a, a famed mm. surgeon from uh, uh, I believe it's in North Carolina. Uh, but you know, his father was at uh, was the president of ASU. Uh, for an extended period of time. And, uh, and Levi Watkins was, I believe, the first one to implant a defibrillator uh, into a heart. Oh, wow. Uh, and, um, and so there, um, but there are stories like that all over. I mean, mm-hmm. there really are. There, and, and you're right. And, and you were also right about the, uh, the private institutions and things like that. I, I, <laughs> I used to always give the people at Tuskegee as another, uh, as another HBCU that I, that I covered for a while there too. Uh, and I, I used to give them uh, a hell of a hard time uh, about the, their, their high class ways. And just, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, cause listen, man, uh, the, you, Whew, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with them at, at, at Tuskegee. There were the, you know, the rolling up in the Bentleys and the, uh, and the, you know, the BMWs and the, you know, just, I mean, it was, you know, cause that's an engineering and, and uh, uh, school down there. And they, you know, they've yeah. got, they've got some, some folks that uh, there's a whole community. Uh, I'll never forget. We had a photographer that for the advertiser uh, one time that went over into the, and we, we started this thing because, you know, the Gannett, basically fires all reporters all the time. And, uh, and so they had photographers going out doing little brief, you know, photo stories of things. Mm -hmm. And so he went to a, to a Tuskegee game, uh, and, and recorded or not recorded, but took photos in the, in the stands and stuff. And then wrote a little brief thing about it. And, and he said something about the, the smell of marijuana and, you know, the passing back and forth of, of liquor and things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, boy, those, those folks were ready to absolutely murder him <laughs> and yeah, and uh yeah, and i was uh i just remember being on the phone with like the the uh, president of the alumni association and just saying listen he doesn't understand okay listen he's not and 
<laughs> He's not been around it like we have. He doesn't understand it. And I remember her saying, we? Aren't you white? And I was like, yeah, but I understand what's going on. And she was like, yeah, I know you do. I'm just giving you a hard time. So, I mean, it's, but, you know, it was, uh, I was like, yeah, listen, I've never, I, I told her, I never would have written that because, you know, these things happen. And, and you know, and uh, it just kind of, again, is, they're very protective of the of the culture and, and the things image. that take place there and the image, yeah. yes, and the image of, of that. And they don't want it to be, I understood their problem. Their problem was you would have never done this at Auburn or Alabama. You know, you nope. would have never gone into the stands and written the same thing about it. Uh, but now you've done it here and it's it made us look bad. And it's it's very very unfair, and um, so yeah, I, I, you're right. It's um, uh, uh, there. Uh, uh, it's a it's a it's a really 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 awesome system, and um, and the HBCUs have have stood the test of time. And uh, if I have one person that sends me a message about why they're not uh, white historical colleges, I'm I'm going to have to kill somebody myself uh, <laughs> after this. Uh, so. Um, because but, there are. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the reason why there are HBCUs. And overabundance okay? of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's because there was all there was. Uh, so, right. um, uh, but uh, yeah. All right. So let's 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 I, I, you know let's move along. I guess uh, because I could talk honestly. I could I could talk about this all day. But yeah. um, we got to talk about another idiot. Uh, this is our right wing note of the week. It is mm. John Merrill. Mm-hmm. Secretary of State for for our great state, um, I, and I wrote about this this week. And mm-hmm. there was a ruling uh, in federal court last week uh, from uh, Judge Myron Thompson, who <sighs> I wish he would stop this retiring nonsense and just stay forever. Because when Myron Thompson leaves that bench, and we can no longer go to him for common sense rulings, we are going to be hurting as a state. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, we, we, the, oh my God, uh, how, how we got him. I don't know uh, because we don't deserve him. We don't deserve him. He is, he's, he's too good for us, but he has saved our ass from a lot of really ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, he issued a ruling in a case of greater Birmingham ministries versus John Merrill and which greater Birmingham ministries was seeking to have, uh, the voter rolls. And subsections of the voter rolls uh, related to the purging of people with felony records uh, off of our voting rolls. They wanted these things. uh, And uh, there was a a whole bill passed by Congress a couple of decades back uh, that said that people have the right to these things. Uh, that the voter rolls are public uh, and any subsets of the voter rolls that are maintained by the Secretary of State's office, they are also public documents if they are easily distributed to these folks. Uh, John Merrill has been denying people these voter rolls. It's been going on forever. All right. He's been charging you. Uh, you, you can, under this act, you were supposed to pay a reasonable fee to obtain them. John Merrill was charging people a penny per name, which ultimately translated into $1,400 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not reasonable for most mm-hmm. people. Most people are not paying $1,400 to go and get the voter rolls. All right. And the reason why it's important is because with the vote, with having the voter rolls and particularly having the subsets in which you can see who's been purged from the voter rolls, you begin to get an understanding of exactly what their office is doing and taking people off the voting rolls by, and then creating another hurdle for those people to get back onto that roll. Okay. So that's what Greater Birmingham Ministries is all about. 
They're all about educating voters on their rights, getting them registered to vote, helping them to overcome those obstacles that are in their way, helping them settle anything that's in their past that they need to settle in order to get their voting rights back if they've been convicted of a felony. So it was vitally important for them to get this information, and he continued to deny that to them. Uh, He denied them giving them the subsets altogether. He would have just given them the roles. That's all he was going to give them. Then in the midst of this, in the midst of this lawsuit, after it became obvious that he was in the wrong, they came back, and uh, Merrill's office came back and said, well, this is what we're going to do. So maybe this will solve the whole thing. We're going to set up a system where you can come to our office and you can view the voter rolls on a computer that we provide and you can take some notes. You can't copy it. You can't copy the list verbatim, uh, mm-hmm. but you can take some notes on, on it. Uh, and... To which Myron Thompson in his ruling was like, it boggles the mind how anyone would believe that this would be a better solution to the problem. Because it's not. It it costs way more money. It's way more of a burden than anything else. When all you've got to do is put the damn things on a drive and send it to somebody. Hell, most of them you can just email and you can send it to them. It would take somebody 30 seconds to go in and grab these things, put them in a Dropbox file, and send them out to Greater Birmingham Ministries. Yeah, and, and we've got had a we had a whole federal case over this. Yeah, so my 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 immediate thought is, if the Secretary of State, if his job, if his primary job is supposed to be uh, facilitating, or one, of, or well, I'll say one of his primary responsibilities is supposed to be facilitating the voting process in our state. Mm-hmm. And if the Secretary of State is somebody who takes pride in that, as John Merrill has has gone out of his way to trumpet, you know, uh, how many people eligible people there are, you know, who are voting in the state, you know, even though his numbers are being disputed by the census count. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. he obviously takes some pride in that. Then why would you have a problem with a, an organization who's coming along saying, we want the voting rolls, you know, we want to copy the voting rolls so that we can also help to uh, expand and enhance the voting process? What's the harm in that? What's the problem mm-hmm. with that? You know, why would that be a problem? Other than, at least in my mind, there's a partisan reason why he wouldn't want that to happen. And that's what I think this is ultimately about. It's about partisanship on John Merrill's part. Um, you know, he doesn't really want to see, uh, mm. in my mind, he, he's, he may not be, uh, and I'm not suggesting that he necessarily would be directly or actively involved in voter suppression, but I don't know that he wants any help in, in making sure that that certain voting populations aren't maximized. That's what hmm. I believe. Yeah, I think. Um, all right. So um, I'll tell you, I believe. OK, I believe. And we've had John Merrill on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and um, and he and I are, are not unfriendly with one another. I disagree mm-hmm. with a lot of the things that he says and a lot of things that he does. And oh, and I have said in the past that I believe in um, on the bench of of Republicans out there that could be called up to be Secretary of State. 
Um, John Merrill is probably pretty close to about the best we could hope for um, in terms of policies and not following along uh, with the national suppression efforts uh, that seem to do uh, seem to be popular in a lot of other very deeply red states. Um, you know, he's not done some of the things that he could have done uh, that would have been really egregious attacks on voting rights. That okay. said, I am firmly of the belief here that John Merrill's hiding something and he doesn't want people to figure out what it is. Mm. And I've got a good feeling that what we're about to find out is that 96% black voter registration number that he keeps touting is complete and utter BS. Um, And the reason that they are arriving at this 96% is because he keeps kicking black people off the rolls for things that maybe black people shouldn't be kicked off the rolls for. Hmm. Um, and describing ineligible voters as voters who should be eligible if they simply did X, X, or X here. Uh, you know, former felons, for example, who under Alabama's new uh, moral turpitude laws uh, should have their voting rights restored if only they did this one little step. They should be counted. I would be willing to bet you that there are thousands of people out there who should have the right to vote today that don't have them because they've been removed from the rolls and Greater Birmingham Ministries, once they get this information, is about to discover exactly how many they have, which mm. is why I believe that they will continue to fight this all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know the AG's office said that they, you know, held no comment on this thing for now, although they've already told the Secretary of State's office that they were going to appeal it. So I believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, is they're going to continue to fight this thing as far as they can fight it and hope that the Supreme Court will cover them on this because this is, there's no reason why we shouldn't have this. And you can think whatever you want to think about voter suppression and voter rights or whatever, but if you're against this right here, you're against basic sunshine laws and open government because that's what this is. This is basic open government. This is things that our Congress has already told us we should all have a right to. They're things set and readily available to everybody. All they are are damn names. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just names on the list. And so all you got to do, and and everybody agrees, you can, uh, when nobody cares at all about you redacting uh, certain information like social security numbers, nobody cares about that. Of course you can do that. But, What we all should agree on is that these things are public. They should be public and we should all have access to them. We should be. Why? Why in the hell have we even got to call the secretary of state's office about getting this information? Why don't we just have it readily available on a website that we can just go to? Yeah, I agree. Why? You know, why? Why do we got to take this step of calling it? Should just put it on a website, make it open to the public and we can all go in and take a look at it. That's right. That's right. And they could redact the social security numbers and addresses, yes. private information, you know, uh, and just, you know, but 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 put that essential information out there. I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, and so there should be no no reason for 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 these things. And I like I said, I, I again, I, I don't I think that in some ways Merrill has been better than we probably could have expected from a Republican secretary of state in the year 2022. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, you know, he's, uh, he's stood in front of some things. I, you know, I'll give you one example. And I've used this example before and a lot of States uh, to take people off the voting rolls, they sent out little cards uh, to addresses that if you didn't answer the card, then right. you got removed from the voting roll. Right. Well, in Alabama, instead of doing that, 
Merrill sent out the little cards. And if you lived at an address and you got this card and it had somebody else's name on there and they no longer live there, then you sent it back. And then there was still another step that had to be taken uh, before that person was removed. So mm. you see what I'm saying? That there are, there are things that could have happened here that he didn't go along with the established Republican norm uh, yeah. that I give him credit for sure. because he felt like they were unfair. But that said, I also think we, he and I have had some arguments over voter ID and he knows, he knows that I kicked his ass in those arguments. Yeah, he didn't have a response. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, he didn't. there's no argument. There's no argument that our other law that we had prior to this uh, you know, requirement of a photo ID, uh-huh. there's no argument that those laws worked extremely, extremely well and were extremely fair sure. to people. They gave you an option for a number of different things to prove who you were. They, we had two cases, two cases of voter fraud that were brought up, in-person voter fraud, which is the only thing that, that IDs prevent, had two cases of those in 30 years. One of those cases was eventually kicked out. The other one, uh, in which somebody actually went to jail, was a sister. Uh, one, one girl stole her sister's ID and went and voted with it. And mm-hmm. the sister found out when she tried to vote with it as well. Okay. And that was the only, which it wouldn't have helped anyway. She still used the ID, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just... What we've done is we put an an extra burden on people and because we knew who it would suppress. We knew who it would suppress. And that's the only that's the sole reason for doing it. And then we just said, whoa, you're against photo ID. You're against voter ID. So anybody can vote and cheat. And it's a stupid argument. It's a stupid (laughs) argument, Uh, you know, which like all their arguments are stupid. The gun arguments, the abortion arguments, this argument. It's all dumb. It's all Pollyannish childlike pie-in-the-sky bullshit. So, hey! <laughs> and on that up note... Yeah, let's get the <laughs> hell out of here. I mean, this is a good show. Like, another good show. Yeah, it was a good conversation with Doug and good good topics today. Yeah, yeah, it was. So it's, we just need another Republican to screw up next week. And uh, we'll have another good show for you. Yeah, that and that probably is going to be pretty easy to find. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been a problem so far, has it? Not so far. <laughs> All right, man, let's get out of here. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.